0: Girlboss Radio is brought to you by Monster. Find employees who work as hard as you do at monster.com slash hiring. Monster, find better. And by ShipStation. Selling online has never been easier. Try ShipStation for free for 30 days by going to shipstation.com and get an additional month free when you use offer code GIRLBOSS. And by Organifi. With Organifi Green Juice, you get all the benefits of juicing vegetables without all the hassle. Try it risk-free for 30 days by going to OrganifiShop.com slash girlboss and enter coupon code girlboss. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder of NastyGal.com, the author of Girl Boss, and the soon to be author of Nasty Galaxy, which you can pre order now on Amazon. On each episode, I invite a different woman onto the show to trace the steps she took to creating her own future, what she learned along the way, and what we can learn from her story. Today's guest is my friend, Alexi Wasser. But first, Liz Carey is back on the show. She's an actor, comedian, and one of my best friends. And you can find her at the Liz Carey on Instagram. She's going to riff with me, and then I'm going to do Girl Boss Moments because she's got to go on vacation, okay? Liz. Sophia. Thanks for being here.
1: I'm going to Tulum. My son is going into double digits. He's turning 10, which is kind of major and sounds a little spoiling, but any chance I get to take him somewhere, a girlfriend of mine invited us. So that is where I will be. But I am concerned because
0: Sophia and I both end up in arguments at airports. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I usually do it midair. Yeah, I got the cops called on me once by a Southwest agent. We took off and I was by myself. It was just like a one-hour flight and I was using my phone like everyone else was. And they had said once, hey, put your phones away. And the person next to me, I was on their phone. The person in front of me was on their phone. It wasn't like a big deal. And they walked by and they were like, hey, can you put your phone away? And I was like, okay. And I was just like tap, tap, like the last three words of this email. And they didn't even give me like a moment before this guy got on the loudspeaker at the front of the plane. And it was like, ladies and gentlemen, the door has been closed. You have been asked to turn your electronic devices off. Or this was before you could just put them in airplane mode and get mm-hmm. away with whatever. Um, please turn them off. That means you, the woman in seat 3-E, 3-E, <laughs> e,
1: please. Yeah, Amoroso, please. It's Amoroso. I like to say it the way the airline attendant says it. Oh, okay, it. yeah.
0: Yeah, Cynthia. Miss Armadillo. And- Miss Armadillo, <laughs> can, can you please put your phone away? And he kept repeating himself. I had put it away at one, you know, I was like, okay. And it was like slow-mo being trapped and humiliated in like a confined space. And the person in front of me was like, it was, like, a slow-mo laugh, like, turning around, looking through the crack in the seats in front of me, like, ha, 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 ha. And the person next to me was, like, that's you. <laughs> like, in this, like, slow-mo miserable. We know that's you with your phone on. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had to, like, stick my thumb up above the seat in front of me and give, like, a thumbs up. Like, like yep, top, my phone's like, off. Top you down. can stop repeating yourself. He was, like, 3-E. 3-E. Please turn your phone off, (laughs) (laughs) 3-E. And uh, so I did. I'd had a great day, and I was sitting in my chair, and I was reading this book called The 16 Laws of Power or something weird and not observing anything from it, and I'll tell you why later. But I got out of my seat. Once we took off and they turned the seatbelt light off, I went up to him. I had to go pee, but he was at the front, and (laughs) he was pouring canned water into plastic glasses. I just said, hey, you know, that was really humiliating. It, it's your job to make people feel more comfortable and not less comfortable on flights. And before I could finish, I was like, you know, it's your job to make people. Uh, I wasn't. I was not yeah. accosting him, and he was like, he got all up in my face, like two inches from my face. It was like, no, you. You were told three times to turn your phone off. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It was so intense. And I looked down. He was like maybe 5'4". I looked down at his name tag. His name was Rick. And I was like, you know what, Rick? Oh, that always gets him going. I wish I could punch you in the face right now. And he was like, do it. And I was like, "Whoa." whoa. I just like turned around and like locked myself in the bathroom. And I don't know. I should have come out and wiped my dump on his face. But... Such I, a hard flight for 14 hours. I went back hours. to my seat and left him alone the rest of the time. He left me alone, went back to my seat. And I was reading that book and it was like <clears throat> rules of like war and mm-hmm. power, entrepreneurship, all the same stuff. And the book said, smoke at your enemies. Don't be overt. You know what I mean? And I just like went up to him and I was like, hey, I don't like this. <laughs> like I could have totally like fucked with him another way if I really like had to do something yeah. like that, which I still didn't. But I did want him to know that like that's not okay I was like, oh, fuck. And then I sat in my chair. We landed. I got off the flight, walked down the walkway on, you know, a little rampy thing, got out. There's little Rick hiding behind three policemen who were waiting for me in the terminal. So I not only was I humiliated in front of everyone on the entire flight for doing nothing, I was humiliated in front of a whole nother group of people waiting to get on that flight. And by the end of it, my eyes were blood red. I was crying. And I lost my ID somewhere between security at the other airport. And it was just, it was so miserable. Okay, all because of little Ricky. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get into girl boss moments now. Thanks for being here, Liz.
1: Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: so this week, We had a lot of girl boss moments come in via social media. So if you don't know what this is, you can hashtag girl boss moment. It's kind of like a hallmark moment. You can do it on Instagram or Twitter. That's where I look. I don't really look anywhere else. And, you know, talk about the time during your week or the last month that you feel like you were the boss of your own life. You had control of your life. You did something nice for yourself. You were taking care of yourself. Being a girl boss is actually a very broad thing. No pun intended. At Emily Amanda Moore says, later today, I will be a college graduate. That's so cool. Congratulations, Emily. That's more than I've accomplished. <laughs> Someone named Mozilla, at Misfit Love, says, officially completed an eight-week coding immersion class. Hashtag girl moment. Hashtag girls who code. So many girls who code listening to the podcast. This is really cool. Jocelyn Floor says, at Jocelyn Floor. Planned to run 5K but ran 6K instead. Hashtag baby steps. Dude, I can't even run one mile. That's amazing. That is like a major girl boss moment. I want to compete with you, except you'll win. S. Ashley Farron says, just bought the domain for my business. That's huge. That's really exciting. And Sam at Sammy Parsons says, sent out my first invoice as a freelance writer. That's amazing. Congratulations, Sam. Helena Santos at Ms. Helena says, My Girlboss Moment, winning Best Experimental Film at LA Independent Artist Film Fest for SimilitudeShortFilm.com. So she produced, co-wrote, and acted. That is, that's pretty huge. Elizabeth Bork started her day by dropping her keys down a crack and eventually fished them out with this handmade lure. Crazy. Way to go. Not losing your keys. You guys... My girl boss moment in the last week was just eating like pizza and hamburgers when I was in this hotel. That sounds disgusting, but I was just really feeling like I wasn't going to be hard on my body traveling, hard on my mind being in back-to-back meetings and trying to be extra healthy. Sometimes you got to give up one. And for me, it was food. So I just uh, ate like someone who doesn't live in L.A. So Shara Morris is here who is our LA-based producer. She is the person who makes me sound like I am super witty and there's not a single pause between everything that I say which there are many Um, and and sometimes (laughs) I say things that I shouldn't and she makes sure that I don't and if I had known about Monster.com when I was looking for Shara I think it would have been a lot easier to find her I'm so glad I did. But finding people that can work really hard or as hard as you to make something great is not an easy thing. Monster has 20 years of experience finding the right people for the right jobs monster works with you to build custom hiring solutions uh, specific to your small business and we know girl boss radio has been a labor of love so shara tell us where our listeners should go to find their exclusive offer okay well you can visit monster.com hiring for a limited time offer to find employees who work as hard as you do
1: monster Monster, find find better
0: (laughs) all right showtime Alexi Wasser is an actor, comedian, blogger, podcaster, and one of my good friends. Her blog, I'mBoyCrazy.com, is an honest and raw take at Alexi's life from sex and dating to body image and more. On her new podcast, Love Alexi, Alexi speaks to creative people who inspire her and they discuss their lives, sex, love, dating, feelings, and everything in between.
1: Welcome, Alexi Wasser. Thanks for having me. To Girl Boss Radio. Oh my god, we're actually in a closet, for those of you who can't A very see professional us. closet. It's a very highbrow closet. So what are we doing here? Well, in
0: your own words, how would you describe what you do?
1: So right now what I do is I'm freelance. I do a lot of different things that fall under the same umbrella. I am an actress. I'm a writer. I have a blog called I'mboycrazy.com. I have a podcast I do with Nerdist called Love Alexi, which I'm very excited about, where I interview people. like this, like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I pitch television shows. I write concepts for shows, and I've sold some. I do stand-up comedy sometimes. I mm-hmm. perform at UCB. I write, act... A real multi hyphenate, multi hyphenate, but all under the same umbrella. So I make stuff, mm-hmm. and I like it to be like funny and honest and raw and vulnerable and like highlight all the
0: all the weirdness,
1: all the weirdness and uh, insecurities and feelings people have. I don't know. Does this make sense? Yeah. Have we lost the audience? No, I think so. All right, hey, cool. guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you pulled your sleeve down. What's that band aid? Oh, so
1: right. Okay, so I've had a very hectic day. It's been a wild day for me as a woman in Los Angeles, in Tinseltown. I. Okay, I'm in my 30s, I'm on the, my second day of my period, this is t- TMI, but here's why I'm telling you that, I wanted to get my fertility checked, because like all my girlfriends are in their 30s, and they're all like, you gotta get your fertility check. you gotta find out if you're fertile, blah blah, I've never been pregnant in my life. So, which has been like a good thing, but I don't want to get to a point where I'm like, oh my God, I've never been pregnant in my life.
0: Do you want a family at some point?
1: I do want to, fa- I want to have like one kid, maybe two. I've got to, mm-hmm. I've got to have
0: somebody I uh-huh. love and have. Love well, season only child. Like I'm an only, like, like, no. Hey, one could be Yeah, cool. one is great. I'm awesome. And everyone, right? everyone else is like, that's weird. That's
1: weird. So you turned out great. Okay. You're incredible. I think you're good. She's eating broccoli and quinoa, <laughs> keeping it real and healthy. Um, <laughs> So today is like day two of my period. And this is something educational for girls out there listening. If any of them are in their 30s. On day two of your period, they tell you that's when you should get your blood tested to see how fertile you are. I think that's what it is. I'm probably not saying, right, right, I'm not a doctor. But, uh, yeah, so I went in. And then also if you have a problem or if that's okay, then you go get like an ultrasound of your uterus. If like whatever, that's like the next step. They so look around.
0: They, if it is they, okay, they, 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 look... poke,
1: they poke around in there. I don't, I don't know. All I know today is the first step is getting my blood drawn, second day of my period. But I have rolling veins. At first, I was dehydrated. I have rolling veins. I was at the office for two hours for them they were trying to draw my just blood. Just try to
0: find a bl- vein?
1: Just trying to find a vein. Oh. Do you see this? They poked all around, couldn't find my vein. They were what like does rolling mean? Rolling
0: they means. They just like move around.
1: It means that yeah, they just like are all moving all around and like yeah. So I was there for an almost two hours, just drinking tons of water, trying to hydrate. They could only fill up one vial. It was a disaster. And I just walked out of there in a huff being like, Just throw it in the garbage, forget it, I'll come back next next month on day two of my period. <laughs> and uh yeah. So I don't know. Where'd you go? Some fancy highbrow place that just couldn't get the blood out of my arms. In In, Beverly Hills? In Beverly Hills, Hills, yeah.
0: Like a fertility clinic? No,
1: this is my gynecologist's office. yeah. Cool. So, man. All right, back to your story, Alexi Wasser.
0: What was your first job?
1: My first job. Oh, God. What did I do? Oh. I think I was like 15 years old and I worked at a clothing store on Melrose called Funky Diva. Ooh, Funky Diva. Is it still there? It's not still there, but it's like some other weird human trafficking front or something, (laughs) whatever it is, whatever those weird stores that nobody should shop at on Melrose are. And then before that, I would assist my dad, who is a photographer and he's a fine art photographer. And then in the 80s, very famous photographer. He is a well-known photographer, but in the 90s, he was a paparazzi photographer. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so I would assist him. We crashed Will Smith's wedding. Oh, Did I ever tell you this? No. Oh my God. Well, I was saving it for the podcast before <laughs> I don't know why. I always knew you were gonna have a podcast and I was like, I gotta save that story for the podcast. So I was my dad's photo assistant. I'd never been to a wedding before in my life. I was like eight years old. <laughs> I'm just telling you this long story. My dad told me that if anybody asks who I am, he gave me like a disposable camera because it was before digital cameras. He goes, if anybody asks who you are, just tell them that you're the executive producer of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's daughter. So mm. I'm walking around taking photos, like acting like I own the place. My dad's ditched me. He's like flirting with beautiful women and like drinking champagne and binge eating. Will Smith taps me on the shoulder and goes like, excuse me, little girl, who are you? Like, what, what are you doing here at my wedding? And I'm like, oh no, no, it's, it's cool. Cause I have a horrible lisp at the time. I'm like, I'm the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the producer's daughter. He was like, okay, well, that's that's cool. I keep walking around. I, like, get away from Will Smith. I sit down at the bride and groom's table, which, like, (gasps) I didn't realize only the closest friends and family are supposed to sit at the... This is my first wedding. My dad didn't, like, prep me for this weird grifter... Move. Move, (laughs) you know. So I sit down next to his wife, and she's like, who are you? And whatever. Security grabs me. Security grabs me. They, like, try to take my camera off me. I... Crammed down my like shirt. I'm not even wearing a training bra. I don't have boobs or anything. But I just like put it in my shirt because I knew they couldn't go into my shirt. And then they they point across the room at my father and they're like, "Little girl, do you know that man? Do you know that man over there?" My dad's like flirting with a woman, as per the use or whatever. And I go, "Yeah, that's my daddy. That's my daddy." And then they do the same thing to my dad. And he looks over at me and he goes, "I've never seen that kid in my life." Oh my god! So I totally got like thrown under the bus by my father. I got all the, the photos because they couldn't go down my shirt. My dad took the credit line in the Star Magazine from Will Smith's Wedding. So that was like technically my first job, kind of just like assisting my father, like having this weird like...
0: You turned out pretty good for... I think so.
1: Oh my God. I'm know, like out of breath telling that story. Ugh. But, and okay. Then, and then Funky Diva. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, from there, you know, here we are.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait Something a minute. Something happened in between. What happened? You definitely grew boobs. Mm-hmm. What was your first
1: job in the entertainment world? Just like commercials when I was 15 years old. Did you
0: go to college? Have you gone to acting school? Do you have coaches? Uh.
1: Oh, man. What have you done to
0: educate yourself?
1: I did not go to college. I think I just wanted to, like, I was obsessed with the movie Unzipped, the Isaac Gizrahi documentary. Did you ever see I've that? i never seen that. Oh, my God. I was obsessed with that. I was like, I just need to go to New York. I need to go to New York. I want to model. And I started, I'm 5'11". Mm.
0: Yeah, you're real tall. I'm
1: very tall. At the time, I think I had an eating disorder, which I'm not advocating. It was horrible. But I was, like, worried about the size of my, my thighs constantly. That has lessened as I've grown up. But, uh... Yeah, so I wanted to model. So I was like, fuck this. I just got to get out of, I got to graduate high school, which I barely did. I barely got out of high school, moved to New York the day after I graduated, sublet an apartment. I was, I figured out how to get an apartment because I was working the door at the smell. Mm -hmm. Do You know that place? Mm -hmm. And this woman came in, this older woman, and she had an apartment available. And I was like, well, I graduate in two weeks. Let me sublet your apartment. And so my whole dream was just to like get out of Los Angeles and move to New York. And then I just did that. And I was just kind of like figuring it out as I went.
0: How long did you live in New York?
1: I lived in New York for a year. I modeled in New York. I went to Tokyo. I got scouted in New York, moved to Japan, lived in Japan for three months, lost my sublet in New York, realized I wanted to do stand-up comedy, and then went home from Tokyo, went to Los Angeles, and I just started doing stand-up comedy nonstop and then booking commercials. And writing and doing like six open mics a night wow
0: yeah how was it just showing up on the doorstep of la comedy well i used to go to this
1: club called largo all the time have you been there Mm-mm. it was like this little club that's moved since it's on la cienega now but it was on fairfax and it was just like i was a huge fan of comedy so i'd go and i'd see with my best friend at the time louis ck Pat oswalt paul f tompkins there's all these kind of mr show alt comedians so i got obsessed with comedy that was really inspiring. I want to do that. I love Sarah Silverman. I've always loved Sarah Silverman. And that's just what you had to do. I started meeting young people who wanted to do stand-up also. So you just would go to these really shitty open mics, coffee houses, laundromats, weird places. And that was just how you did it. You would just go to as many as you could in one night and like try out the, the crappy jokes you wrote until you figured out, like, oh, change this order. Do it like this. That joke doesn't work. Throw it away. It was just figuring it out as you go. hmm
0: Was it painful? Yeah.
1: It's so male-dominated and terrifying. I was like, oh, whoa, I love writing, but I was drinking too much because I was very shy. I've always been very shy, but also forced myself to be brave. So it's like at odds with myself because I'm like, oh, I feel compelled to do these scary things, but I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. And it continues to be that way, but I just like can't stop for whatever reason. So I stopped doing stand-up because I was like drinking too much beer, gained a layer of weight to like protect myself. It was so male-dominated being a young girl around a bunch of misogynist male comedians. They want to date you and you're just like, oh, and you want to be liked. And it was just too much for me. So I stopped doing that. And then years later, I revisited my love of writing and stand-up and stuff like that by blogging. Yeah, I've always hated the word blog. And then I realized it's just a platform to express yourself and you don't have to be like right in front of people in real time. And so then I, I kind of found myself again by going, oh, I'm going to write all these really personal stories with my face and name attached and be completely vulnerable because there are a million other blogs that exist in the world. So if I'm going to do one, it has to be slightly different and set itself apart. And then that became popular. And when did you start your blog? God, in 2008. I think. And tell us what it is. Okay. So it's this blog at the time I called I'mboycrazy.com. It still exists. And the phrase boy crazy just meant youthful enthusiasm, how like you never know what's around the corner and just having all this youthful energy and excitement and like zest for life and never knowing when you're going to fall in love or who the next, you know, it's just a metaphor for... That time in your life.
0: How did you grow the audience for your blog? Oh
1: my God! Well, I think it's just like word of mouth. Because I would, I would write these really personal stories about awkward, honest sexual encounters I've had with people, or I I do this thing called the blind leading the blind, and I would write these like, really some not mean spirited, but very intense ways in which I view the world and things that I would notice about just like life and people and little details about things that happen. And then I would write sexual dating body, but it was just so honest. I started getting hundreds of letters. We like emails, not actually old timey letters, because that would (laughs) have been really cool. But uh, I started getting emails from all around the world from people who were just started reading it. Now I'm just
0: like ranting. But, uh, no, I've heard you had stickers that you'd take to yeah. Yeah, I would like, and... I would like
1: break on to, maybe I learned this from crashing Will Smith's wedding with my dad, but I would like break on to high school campuses and I would be like, Hey, have you heard of Mark the Cobra snake? And like Corey Kennedy, like that was a reference at the point. And they'd be like, yeah, uh-huh. those people are cool. And I'd be like, well, that's what my blog is. It's kind of like that, but it's like different. But here are some stickers. Was I got to get this, out like, here. No, I started in 2008. This was like, okay. I still have the blog. I still update it. Not as much because I'm obsessed with, with other things, but I do still update it. But yeah, I was just like posting every single day at least monday wednesday and friday and i would just put stickers up stickers that my homemade stickers that i've made or whatever and buttons up like everywhere in like bathroom stalls
0: and i remember hearing about you from oh you know, really was, like on ebay or you know really? in northern california yeah totally oh wow what did you hear yeah i remember knowing about you and watching goofy videos of you like chasing people in parking lots and... oh really
1: who did i chase in a parking lot that time i don't Ugh. know when am i not chasing somebody in a parking lot I
0: think I still do that and
1: but now I do it like more demure and cool. I'm like, "Excuse me, sir." <laughs> Adrian uh, Adrian who? Oh, I forget what's his. Name. Adrian Brody? Is that his name? <laughs> I have no idea. Um <laughs> having a laugh.
0: <laughs> how do you feel about personal branding and social media and how have you used social media to build your audience? It's the best. It's the greatest thing in the world because it means you don't have to rely on
1: agents and managers, and you just can go like rogue and be like, "Fuck it! I've got an Instagram account. I've got this and that. And this is this is what I want to say." And then it's like this democracy. You know, it's like people just if, if they find it and they like it, then I think it's the greatest thing ever. That's how I got the word out with my blog using Twitter and and Facebook and. I don't think I use MySpace. I think I was no longer on MySpace. I did this thing when I first got started. I had buttons made and I had stickers made. And I would not only break onto high school campuses to like give stickers to kids because that's what I decided was my demographic. I would go to other like-minded places where I thought the people who shop at these places would appreciate my voice. So I would go to like American Apparel. And I would take all the Vice magazines at American Apparel and I would put my <laughs> sticker on all the Vice magazines and I would ask the cool kids at American Apparel, like, can I leave these stickers and buttons up here? So like people when they shop, they can just put it in a bag or they can take one. They're like, sure. And so I wanted people to think that I'mboycrazy.com was part of Vice and part of American Apparel. I did the same thing at Urban Outfitters. I did it so much. Like I would put my sticker on all the
0: catalogs? the catalogs
1: and I would do that because I wanted to look like I'mboycrazy.com was backed and affiliated by... Urban Outfitters uh-huh. to the point where I was kicked out of Urban Outfitters in LA, New York. I would go to like different cities and I would street team. I would follow that guy, Love Me. You know that street? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he ended up selling his whole Love Me tag to Urban Outfitters or something. Or, uh-huh. you know, he went really big with that. I would like wear my American Apparel hoodie, a backpack, even though I'm, I am don't really consider myself a backpack person, but I would wear a backpack <laughs> and my cool hoodie or whatever in my uh, high top, dirty white Converse. And uh, I would walk around New York and like street team I would follow the love me street team things and I would put my own boy crazy stickers up and they're like still around Hollywood and New York I'll still go back and be like oh yeah that was like from like five years ago when I was like really hustling and like <laughs> I think it's so funny when I say I was on my grind because I'm like <laughs> you're still on your grind I'm You've still been on my grind
0: super busy oh my god So when you're selling online, which I've done for 10 years now, getting your orders out the door quickly can be really tough. And that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fast and easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. ShipStation.com helps you get orders out quickly and keeps customers happy. Whether you sell on eBay, like I did, Amazon, Shopify, Etsy, or over 65 other popular selling channels, ShipStation.com brings all your orders into one simple interface. And you know, if you ship orders on time, it means people won't contact you and complain about where their order is, so it actually drives down the cost of customer care. Yeah, we don't want complaints. I strongly recommend ShipStation.com for your small business or any business. And right now you can try ShipStation.com for free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my offer code, Girlboss. Go to ShipStation.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Girlboss. That's ShipStation.com, code Girlboss. you've been on billboards i've driven out la and seen you on billboards you were on the first episode of girls you have sold television shows to networks what drives you what drives me is i don't know how to do anything else and i keep
1: trying things that feel good and right and i listen to my intuition and my gut and i go i love writing i'm gonna start this blog and i want to really fucking be raw and vulnerable and then i was like should i keep doing this and i got responses from other people saying like I like this and oh my god, it's helping my life. And I went, Oh god, I'm gonna keep down this avenue. And then because of my blog, I got attention from this woman at Linda Opes, the producer at Sony, and she was like, We are gonna turn this into a show and here's how you write a show Bible. And that was like my college of life, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I didn't like modeling, I didn't like I have all this neuroses in my brain, all these thoughts and feelings. Twenty four seven, I thought I can't worry about my weight anymore and I wanna do stand up and I love writing, I love funny stuff, I love vulnerability and blogging was validated by people that made me feel cool. So I think that's such an important thing in general. It's like following your gut, listening to your intuition. And then when it's, when you get a, a good response to it, you go, fuck it. Okay. That's the sign to keep going in that direction. And then, I don't know the billboard. Sophia's talking about, I'm on some weird virgin billboard in Los Angeles. I go on commercial castings, theatrical TV and film castings. And that's how I got that billboard thing. To me, that's my day job where if I book a commercial, you know, or a TV show thing, I can use that money to like shoot a video for my website where I, I do a talk show called Alexi in Bed and I like mm-hmm. hire a crew or I write and direct short films, and then I can take the money that I get from these big jobs and then use that to like fund. Things I'm passionate about, like, you know, because I want to make a feature. And I just love, you know, writing, directing, acting, all this stuff.
0: And it all falls under the same umbrella. You have your podcast. What has it been like going from being the person who interviewed to becoming an interviewer? Because I'm an only
1: child, again, coming back to us, like, I've just always been fascinated by people. I love people watching. I love going to Whole Foods, people watching. I love talking to people. It makes me feel less alone. And so for my blog, a big part of my blog is I'd have this thing called Dude of the Day where I'd interview people. And i do these mm-hmm. like, little three-minute videos. I interviewed Tyler, the creator. I interviewed Kyle Mooney, who's on SNL now, before I was mm-hmm. on SNL. It was an excuse to talk to people, mainly boys, because it was called Dude of the Day. And I would just like ask them all these questions. But there was a safety to it, because I was videotaping it, and I was behind mm-hmm. my camera. But I've always loved talking to people. I know I'm ranting and won't shut the fuck up right now. No, I think but... that was
0: the parking lot you were chasing people in or something.
1: Oh, probably. I'm like, yoo come over here, I've got questions. Yeah. And then I did my
0: podcast i did a podcast because i would
1: get hundreds of emails every week i swear to god from like girls boys gay straight bisexual whatever like between like age 14 and people in their 50s asking me for love advice because they felt like they could trust me because i was a big sister type because i would overshare all my love and dating and heartbreak experience so i thought god this is great i'm so bossy i've got got a lot of advice this is fantastic how do i get to all their questions and answer them so i started a love line-esque Podcast. Mm-hmm. This is a trajectory of that. I started a Love Line Ask podcast that was super rinky-dink, horrible sound quality. Would do it every Wednesday live, night. Live, phone. Yeah, calls. you've called in before. You called in to say hi. Sophia would like you know surprise me and be like, "It's me and Joel. Like, hey, <laughs> we're had, we're hanging at home. What's mm-hmm. going on?" And I'm like, "I'm I'm live on the air. Thank mm-hmm. you." <laughs> and then the sound quality was so shitty. And uh, I've always loved Love Line. Did you ever call into Love Line? I never called in. You oh my god, really?
0: I yeah no. Why? I don't get into really complicated sexual situations. I mean not
1: even sexual, just emotional. No? Yeah,
0: I don't want to have those. We should call in tonight. You have emotions. <laughs> I know you do. They're in there. They're very deep.
1: I see them. Um but yeah, my goal the whole time with the boy crazy radio was I was like, "Ugh, oh, the sound quality is so shitty. I want to get in an actual network." And I wanted to be on the Nerdist Network because I love Chris Hardwick. I, You know, I love comic books. I've always loved comic books when I was a kid. And I always, I feel like a neurotic, nerdly type of person. And I wanted to be on that network. And then by the grace of Chris Hardwick and the fine folks at Nerdist, I now have a talk show on. How did on you make that happen? How did I make that happen? Hustlin' Girl. No, I don't, like, you know, because I'd done it. I put so many hours. Maybe it's like yeah. a Malcolm Gladwell, you know. 10,000 hours. I was already going to do it because I love it. I was already going to do Boy Crazy Radio with horrible sound quality and like take phone calls from kids who trusted me with advice that I'm unqualified to give other than the fact that I want to listen. I've got all the energy to listen and I actually do get really good advice, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. They liked it. They liked me they liked it and they just made that happen.
0: You filmed something recently.
1: Oh yes. Well, I wrote a feature cause I really want to direct a feature film that I write. Uh-huh. I mean, so I thought, okay, didn't go to college. Got to put, you know, I got to figure this out. So I thought I'm going to write a short film just so I can see what, you know, all the pieces that are involved with like with making a film. Yeah. So I wrote, you know, the color correction, sound design, editing, all the stuff, directing, directing, turns out directing is difficult. My way of directing is like, like not respecting the actors and being like, hey, can you just say the lines like human beings speak? Like that was me like trying to direct, (laughs) even though I was in it and whatever. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I wrote this short film also called Love Alexi going back to branding maybe but Mm -hmm. uh, i'm just like calling everything love alexi now because that's the name of my podcast and that's the name of the short film and it's about my most recent breakup with my Mm -hmm. ex-boyfriend
0: a while back yeah from a while back
1: mm, yeah Yeah. significant relationship Uh, significant relationship yeah it's about me uh, refusing to leave my apartment and my girlfriend being like come out you gotta get out of your house you gotta get over him you know get on tinder go on some tinder dates just to like start dating and just get out of your apartment because i'm all cooped up in my apartment and I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's desperate. I'm not going to do that. But then I start luring in delivery boys. I start like trying to figure out oh, how to like... It's like the
0: beginning of every porn. Is
1: it? And the funny thing is I don't watch porn. I feel like <laughs> everybody... Do you watch porn? None of my business.
0: Once in a while. You
1: do? The thing is I seem so wild and free. I think I'm completely judgmental about porn kind of. And I just interviewed a porn star on uh-huh. Love of podcast And I had to really get my act together before I interviewed her so I made sure that I wasn't coming from a judgy place. Did you go watch a bunch of porn? No. I. (laughs) I, You know what I did? Oh, my God. I was going to do that. I watched her porn. Uh I told her to tell me a clip to watch. And I watched porn and her porn uh-huh. for the first time in front of her and i was like oh, wow i was like whoa this is ex- oh my god turns out porn is really exciting it can be
0: really gross <laughs> and yeah. such i mean most of it it just honestly all, all of it's really gross because other people are just gross but i think if you were curious in high school or whenever if you had access to the internet people would show you stuff or send you stuff or just you're curious so then you see it then it's not a big deal but i think if that didn't happen when you were like A teenager trying it later on would be hard, but I feel like I just always knew how to like find that stuff. Yeah. There's like boys chuckling in the like the computer lab, being like, "Look at this." Yeah. Just be like, "Oh God, okay," but then being like, "Hmm, what is this? All this talk about?" Yeah, it's weird that I'm not into porn. I'm such a. It's saying I'm into it. I'm so you are like all
1: about porn. So that's part of your brand now. (laughs) 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 Theo loves porn. You heard of your first? i I'm Just kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: Girl boss.
1: Girl boss. Oh, that should be like no. Never mind. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> the weird thing is I'm not into porn and I lost my virginity at 15 and I love sex. I'm super sexual, but I'm like, I like using my imagination where I'm like, okay, we're at the Chateau Marmont and we, we rented a crazy bungalow and it's all like fancy and we're, we're driving down Mulholland and we just got to the Chateau. Like I like to fill in all the blanks.
0: The Chateau sounds fun. Oh, doesn't it sound fun? I like, I you love need your alone stay-cations. time. staycations.
1: Staycations are important. I yeah. actually, oh my goodness. I, uh recently dated a guy and that's what we would do we would go uh, rent hotel rooms yeah this sounds
0: horrible no, that's, that's a reason thing <laughs> oh, is it <laughs> never mind
1: here's what i struggle with, with porn i don't watch it but all right i'm gonna get a little heavy do you think porn messes with intimacy because i feel like right now i mean i think it's probably instagram this is what i'm struggling with lately in the culture and i'm just like going off on one right now but like the the coffee is kicking in I don't want this it's to fall. It's a huge coffee. It's a like huge it. coffee. Well, I'm very tall. I'm 5'11". And I, have big, I have big feet, also size You're 11. It's a tall drink of coffee. I'm a tall drink of coffee. <laughs> um, I worry... Who said this? Oh, God. Gloria Steinem? Who the fuck said this? Um, Something about how, like, porne, the Latin word porne means female slave. Whoa. And an erotica is something different. Erotica is like you know Dita Von and sexy and like liberated woman, but it's like arty and beautiful, and it's not just like I'm a man and I'm gonna own this woman. Like, and yes, women are into porn. That's fine. Everything's fluid. Whatever. I'm so confused, but I feel like because of Instagram and how porn is so accessible, I feel like it's messing with people's ability to have an orgasm for men to have an orgasm because their baseline is so much higher now because they're always on online, mm. always seeing sexy pics on some scantily cladly dress. Or on Instagram or they're watching porn because it's everywhere it's on your smartphone maybe and it's just like
0: harder people for people to connect and it's at least with like a well we're all less present do you think so yeah because of social media you know we're all on our phones regardless of I mean porn certainly yeah plays a part in warping intimacy how do we fix know, it what do we do i don't know that's for your podcast we you and
1: i are gonna solve that on my podcast i don't know we gotta solve it <laughs> hello
0: all right anyone there anyone there did we lose
1: you listen just listen everybody all i want all i care about right now at this point in my life is my love alexi podcast that's the only thing i care about can we say podcast one more time pod yeah <laughs> <laughs> coffee it's the grossest word i know
0: Shara, do you drink green juice? Mm, not really, because whenever I do it, it's such a huge mess, and it gets everywhere, and I just hate it. Well, you're in L.A., so it's about time that you start. It's true. Organify is a green juice that is organic, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free. So you can basically post it on your Instagram anytime you want, and people will think that you're the healthiest person in the whole world. And it tastes good. And there's no mess. Perfect, that's for me. (laughs) um, Yeah, juicing can be kind of insane. Cleaning out a juicer is not fun, but drinking pounds of green vegetables is fun. Listeners can get an additional 20% off of Organifi by going to OrganifiShop.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash girlboss. And you can enter coupon code girlboss. Organifi is so confident that you'll love it, they'll let you try their green juice completely free for 30 days. Backed by an empty bottle guarantee, if you don't like it, even if you send your empty bottle back, you'll still get a refund. Go to OrganifiShop.com girlboss and enter coupon code girlboss. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com. How have your thoughts on love and relationship evolved from the time you started dispensing advice? well years ago
1: well it's weird it's like it's a topsy-turvy time right now because you know everybody's fluid no just kidding
0: (laughs) i'm very heterosexual but i just feel
1: like it's way more politically correct than it's ever been which is awesome because we know better as a society so we don't want to hurt people's feelings we want to be conscious we want to like be be understanding inclusive Mm -hmm. oh that's yeah inclusive that's a good buzzword that's what's what's right but i just feel like uh, maybe i've learned more about myself where it's like i'm i wanted a date with a guy the other day and I was like, what are you looking for? What do you want? Asking him a lot of questions to deflect or just want to hear about him. And he goes, you know, I don't want a girlfriend. I think I just want somebody to, like, invite over and have sex with and then just, you know, but I'm not I'm not looking for anything serious. I'm all about work. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm all about work, too. But hearing that guy say that made me go, well, thank you, sir. That just made me realize that I want to fall in love. Like, you know, because uh-huh. I, I. Just like that sounds so sad. That sounds really sad and empty. And for a moment, because I just went through a horrible breakup, I thought, oh, yeah, maybe I'll just date and. And I'm just all about work. But then it reminded me that, like, oh, no, I'm idealistic. I love being monogamous. I want to meet somebody who's worthy of being monogamous for.
0: Who will care about your fertility test.
1: Exactly. Well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm in no rush. I'm not trying to have kids anytime yeah. soon. I just thought it would be a fun thing to do on day two of my period.
0: You know? <laughs> but that it wasn't. And, that <laughs> and this. That and this. What have you learned the most from sharing so much with your readers and now with your podcast,
1: with your listeners? Well... I did learn that I don't want to share so much about myself because even though I'm ranting on this podcast, I think I stopped being so mean to myself because I used to be hard on myself as far as my body was concerned. I used to be more of a people pleaser where I was like, I want guys to like me. I want to be liked or I like making out and having sex. But then as I grew up and have been more in therapy and shared myself, I learned a few things. I learned, I'm going to say some cornball therapeutic phrases. I learned to stay at home with myself, to not get validation from other people, to get it internally. But like I was sharing so many personal details of my life like, and I would change the time frame, and I would change the names and I would never, it's never mean spirited. I didn't want to like hurt guys feelings or my friend's feelings, but I learned that like, I don't want to invite people to comment on my life.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: you put shit out there and you get angry when somebody is mean or has an uh, opinion of it, or you invite them to do that because you're putting yourself out there. So it just maybe be more conscious of what I select and what I choose to put out into the world. And, and I go through phases where I'm like, I don't want to write about my breakup. I don't want to write about having my heart broken or awkward dating. Was there one
0: thing that you shared that you wish you hadn't shared or that you learned the most from not sharing?
1: No, I don't think I regret sharing anything because a good part of all the sharing, like I had cancer when I was 21. I had like Yeah. All the girls should get checked for uh, thyroid cancer. Yeah. When I was like in my early 20s, I've written about that. I wrote about, you know, having sex with somebody because I'm like, "Ah, I'll just do it. And it's just awkward, weird, bizarro sexual encounters. I don't regret sharing any of the stuff on my blog that I have put out there because other people would write me back and say, oh, my God, I went through that, too. I can't believe you're sharing it. I would be too shy to share it. But you made me feel less alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm an only child. You're an only child. So writing my blog made other people feel less alone. And then it did the same for me when I would get the totally. response back. Yeah, yeah. The
0: feedback loop of sharing. I don't think I really understood that until I wrote my book. Oh, my and God. Just to put my story out there the same way you've put your story out there with your blog and through your podcast, all you have to do is talk about things you already did or already know, Yeah, which can be really ordinary, can be kind of extraordinary. I mean, I think the most ordinary things are kind of extraordinary, too. But it's sometimes some of the most basic common sense stuff that people come up to me about and say, oh, my God, when you wrote about paying your parking ticket, like, that really changed the way I thought about money. That really just made me like, want to pay really? money? <laughs> That's just like weird dad advice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Do you consider yourself an introvert?
1: I'm um, an introvert extrovert.
0: What does that mean? That's like a round square manicure. I feel like you're like that
1: i feel like yeah i am where it's like we're gonna go out in the world the world's great we're gonna see the world we're putting ourselves out we got a lot to say and then it's like oh my god that was so draining i need to like replenish Uh and be alone
0: (gasps) if you could brunch with any girl boss who would it be and why
1: uh we're doing it
0: is this your brunch i mean my old quinoa i
1: just like to watch you eat and make you happy i just want
0: you to be happy all the time (laughs) oh my god such a pleaser
1: (gasps) who would i want to have brunch with sarah silverman she's a girl boss right yes what's she the boss of her own life
0: Yes, that's what a girl boss is.
1: Oh, oh, it's all coming together now.
0: <laughs> no, wow. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> At the end of the podcast. All right, so I ask every one of our guests, what was your girl boss moment of the week? And a girl boss moment is it could be I drew myself a nice long bath, which I know you do all the time. Yes. Or I exercised, or I didn't drink as much, or I got out of a bad relationship, or I got a job promotion, or I sold a TV show to Showtime. What was your girl boss moment? in the last week Alexi
1: my girl boss moment this week the thing you're most proud of that made you feel like you were the boss of your own life the boss of my own life I left a party and I didn't feel apologetic about it yeah, that's a good one yeah and then I went home and took a two hour bath I put me first Alexi thank you so much for being here thank you for having me
0: You guys thank you again for tuning into another week of girl boss radio we'll be back next week with nascar racer julia landauer our producer is shara morris thanks also to kristen meisner laura mayer and andy bowers at panoply if you haven't read girl boss go do it you can buy it at nastygal.com, amazon or anywhere books are sold and they're also adapting it to a netflix show so you better fucking read it before the show happens we don't know when it's happening it's in development guys please let us know what you think of the show you'll find us on twitter and instagram at girl boss our email address is infogirlboss.com. You can find me at Sophia Amoruso on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to also pre-order Nasty Galaxy, my second book that comes out October 4th. Um, for exclusive content from today's show, please go to blog.nastyall.com. If you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Spotify app, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. Thank you to the band Phases for our theme song and to my husband, Joel de DeGraff, for our interstitial jam. I'm Sophia Emma Russo. I'll be back next week.